in community together. Isn't it a blessing to have Jesus together, to worship together, to pray together? Jesus always encourages us, and he always challenges us. He makes us comfortable and uncomfortable all at the same time. Whether he's confronting the religious leaders, whether he's dining with tax collectors and sinners, or he's capturing our imaginations with one of his stories. His story parables were meant to raise questions that were unsettling. And the point of the parable was never too obvious. It challenged people. It challenged them to think deeply. What was his point? What was he saying? Is this about me? And parables revealed if the heart was open. So our lesson today is a parable. It's the parable of the talents. And let me introduce it by saying that the events currently in Israel have kept me glued to the news. It leads me to ask unanswerable questions like, will this war lead to further wars? Will other nations become involved in some way? Is it possible that Jewish persecution would spread to Christians? Now you're probably wondering, what in the world does that have to do with this parable of the talents? Well, the answer is simple enough. It's the same backdrop that Jesus used when he gave this talent. The disciples came to Jesus in Matthew 24 and asked him privately, what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? And for context, let me just read a little bit from Matthew 24 that he gave just before telling this parable. I'm going to read 6 through 14. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you're not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of birth pains. Then you'll be handed over to be persecuted and put to death. And you'll be hated by all nations because of me. At that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold, but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. So when Jesus spoke of the events surrounding his return to earth, he told the disciples of wars and rumors of wars, of nations and kingdoms rising against one another, an abomination of desolation standing in the holy place. And then he says, catch this, because it says so, it's so important to our parable. Therefore, you also must be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an hour when you do not expect him. It's in this context that Jesus tells two parables. The parable of the wise and foolish virgins, which we had last week, and the parable of the talents, which I'm going to recap for you today. 
And as I do that, ask yourself this. What is Jesus saying to me in this parable? So, one day an owner of a large estate called in his three servants. He called them together. And surely they must have been wondering with some anxiety, what is this all about? Why am I being called into the master's quarters? Am I in some sort of trouble here? What's going on? But they quickly learned that the master was going away to a far country, and to their surprise, he was entrusting his wealth, at least some of it, to them. The first servant was given five talents. Now, a talent was a measurement of weight between 50 and 75 pounds. It was often used to weigh precious metals like gold or silver. And for a common laborer, it would take him 6,000 days of work to earn that much money. This guy's jaw must have dropped at such an overwhelming amount that he was given. The second servant was given two talents. The third one, which it, that wasn't a small amount. And the master didn't give these out willy-nilly. It wasn't like, first one through the door gets the largest portion. No, it wasn't like that. Did you catch that in the reading? The talents were distributed according to their abilities. He had given thoughtful consideration to each servant's ability to use these resources. So with the talents distributed, he went on his journey. There's no time set for his return. They needed to be ready because he could come back unexpectedly. And neither was there any instruction given on how to use these talents. Yet they knew intuitively that they needed to take advantage of this opportunity. Now, would you give me permission to let my imagination run wild here for just a moment? Is that okay? Okay. So I can imagine the first servant went out, and with his great abilities and his five talents, he went out and he invested in a market. Probably one of those third world markets, you know, very crowded, hectic, energetic. You've probably been in those. They're so much fun. And he brought in spices and textiles, livestock and fruits. He rented stalls out to other vendors, and it became a thriving business. And the second servant, he invested in his two talents, I'll say, in a fishing adventure. And he purchased boats and nets, bought a small shop so he could sell his catch, and his business was managed well, and it also thrived. The third servant was filled with fear and anxiety. What if I fail? What was the master going to do to me if I lose it all? He wouldn't dare to take any chances with his talent. So in the middle of the night, went out to a lonely spot, dug a hole, and he hid it there. After a long absence, the master returned. And he called the servants together to settle accounts. The first two gave account of doubling their talents, and they were commended. Well done, good and faithful servant. And given further blessings, come and share in your master's happiness. But it didn't go so well for the third servant. He made his case. You're a hard man, and I was afraid. But look, I'm safely giving you back what you gave to me. 
the master's rebuke was quick and stern. You wicked and lazy servant. You knew what I expected. Why didn't you draw interest at least from the bank? And then turning to the others, he said, take his talent and give it to the servant who risked the most. This fearful servant had misunderstood his responsibility. He had wasted his opportunity. And the master continued, then get rid of this worthless servant and throw him out into outer darkness. So then, how do we see ourselves in this parable? We too have abilities and opportunities to serve the master. God has graciously entrusted us with a mixture of gifts and abilities and we use them generously and for the good of others. We don't compare ourselves among ourselves, who's the most gifted, who's the most capable, because as we know, to compare ourselves among ourselves is unwise. Instead, we use them with simplicity and humility for one another. But the focus of this parable is not on the ability of the servants. We're not told their specific abilities. We don't know what abilities they possessed. There's no clarity if one managed money well and another was a people person, or if one was a visionary and another took care of the details. This parable is about taking advantage of the opportunities provided by the master. These servants had varying abilities, varying talents. They counted how, what counted was how they used what was given. The servant who came back with five bags wasn't praised any greater than the one who came for two. They both were commended. Well done, good and faithful servant. Now, lest you think that this is another call to duty, I want to expand this thought just a little bit further. There's actually something mysterious and supernatural at work here. Every Sunday we pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. As servants of God, we are points of overlap between heaven and earth. This means that God's kingdom is beginning to come to earth as in heaven through us. Now it's come, unfortunately, to view heaven and earth as separated. Heaven's up here, earth's down here, and neither of the twain shall meet. And this is especially true in the secular West, and it bleeds over into the church. But the reality is that there's an overlap. Heaven and earth are joining up. This joining up place was in the temple at Jerusalem where God came to dwell over the mercy seat in the Holy of Holies. And the priest would go in once a week with bells on his clothes so that the people could hear that he was still alive in there and hadn't been struck dead. It joined up at Mount Sinai when Moses received the law and the glory of the Lord looked like a consuming fire. And certainly and most profoundly it was joined up in the incarnation of Jesus, who was the exact representation 
of God. Now, through us, in whom the Spirit is templing, God is starting to implement his transforming kingdom, which began and was achieved through the death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. As we, as we speak and live, as we write and sing, as we help and serve, we reflect it to one another and to those who are outside the faith. His kingdom is breaking into the world all the time. And for some strange and crazy reason, he's determined to use us. A few Sundays ago, I received a call from a friend. This friend has the gift of giving. And she said, hey, I'm coming back from a shower at our church, and we have some homemade cupcakes and some homemade brownies left over. Could you use those for your ministry? Of course I could use them for my ministry. My people love homemade desserts. So I took them to Hargrove, and they went like the proverbial hotcakes. Indifference turned to a warm welcome and distance to openness. And I texted my friend, all given out and happily received. Thanks for being the means for the kingdom of God to break into their lives. When we use our gifts and opportunities, God's kingdom breaks in. We too await the return of our master in uncertain times. Which brings me back to the context of this parable. There's a reason that Jesus told it in the context of the signs of his coming and the end of the age. Societal, political, and economic uncertainties, they're always with us. They were for the disciples, for Israel, for the saints of all the ages. But world uncertainties mustn't hinder us from being God's instrument. Now, I'm going to be the first to admit that I'm prone to view society and the world as a total wasteland. I was trained well to always see the glass half empty. Maybe you were too. What's Russia and Iran up to, I would think? Oh, they're going to somehow expand this war and possibly even use a nuclear weapon. Or... AI is out of control. It's reprogramming itself. It's going to take over the world. The moral climate of our day is taking us to hell in a handbasket. One day I was reading a paraphrase from a book called Psalms Now, and it pulled me up short. It said this, one verse, Stop worrying about the hopelessness of it all. We only contribute to the despair by always being negative and defeatist. Lately, I've been encouraged to see the glass half full. The kingdom of God is breaking in all around us. 
locally. Young Life is providing fun and life-changing experiences, which they're doing right now at this very moment. One Voice, Brian's Safe House, Sound Mind, Seed Sowers, and other faith-based organizations here in Beckley help with addictions. Internationally, wells are dug, clinics are open, disaster relief is given. Did you know that Samaritan's Purse has provided over 209 million Christmas shoeboxes? The church is growing fast and strong in the global south. And these are only a drop in the bucket of what's being done in Jesus' name. This parable, in this context, reminds me not to dismiss the half-empty glass there is evil in the world while realizing the half full glass god is at work as instruments in his hand we participate in this reality pastor chris reminded us last sunday that jesus spoke with clarity in these two parables just as he was about to be abandoned the disciples heard it in the context of the end times and of his coming death, which they obviously did not know about. But his death created havoc in each of their own personal lives. And we, too, live in challenging circumstances in some form or fashion. There's always something happening in every season of our life. We lose family members. We lose work. We lose health. Sometimes we feel lonely, as if no one really sees us plans fall through and we have to realign our dreams or unexpected expenses stretches us beyond our means even in and especially in these times in these difficult times we do not lose hope we do not lose faith we are light in the darkness we are a city on a hill this is not a time to hide our talents in anxiety and fear. In fact, it's just the opposite. We, too, advance the kingdom by being a bit daring. The cautious servant achieved nothing because of his fear. It's not that he did anything wrong. He simply did nothing at all. It was his lack of endeavor that was condemned. God constantly leads us to places that are unsettling. And we have to decide whether to play it safe or be a bit daring. And these opportunities often take us out of our comfort zone. It's reminiscent of Sam Ganji's hesitancy to lead the Shire. Remember that? If I take one more step, he said, it will be the furthest from home I've ever been. To which Frodo replied, remember what Bilbo used to say? It's a dangerous business, Frodo, going out your door. You step into the road, and if you don't keep your feet, there's no knowing where you might be swept off to. For us, there's no knowing where God might sweep us off to either. 
When we returned from Mexico, good number of years now, I desperately wanted to continue in vocational ministry. That was my calling. But after applying to several positions in local churches, inquiring into chaplaincies and hospitals and prisons with hospice, and contacting ministries in Texas and Colorado, nothing materialized. Eventually, the very scary proposition of starting a nonprofit and quitting my job came into view. During that time, a quote from a Danish theologian and philosopher was an encouragement and a challenge. He said this, to dare is to lose one's footing momentarily. Not to dare is to lose oneself. I don't know all the opportunities that God will bring into your life, but whether it's starting a new ministry or giving away cupcakes, dare to take advantage of the doors that God is opening. Now I encourage us all to go in peace, to love and serve the Lord. Take advantage of the opportunities he provides. Use the gifts and abilities that he's given you and be instruments for the kingdom to break into the world as a prelude of what's to come. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.